Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and the man on the left, the handsome man, that's Jeff Snyder, not me. Jeff, we're going to be going over the Eurodollar futures curve because something very interesting has happened in the last week. We first brought it to the audience's attention in December when something had happened to it. We've talked about it on and off over time. We're going to go back in time, look at what happened in December, give an update to where we were in January, and then the most recent activity because things have escalated, as you like to say. Jeff, the audience has probably heard of yield curves and what happens when they invert with respect to the U.S. Treasury uh, sovereign bond market, right? When they invert, they suggest that perhaps there's economic trouble ahead. The euro dollar curve, tell me, Jeff, can I just say shorthand that that's sort of the same, but for offshore global dollar, global economy conditions, that there's economic trouble ahead if the curve inverts? Yeah, that's remember, euro dollar futures are tied to three month LIBOR, which is a short term money rate, which tells us a lot about the condition of the world in the future. So if we're, if we're betting on future position of three month LIBOR, we're really betting on some really central key issues with regard to the entire financial monetary system. And as you pointed out, you know, this is offshore money, this is offshore euro dollars. So it's really the market betting on the future of the global reserve currency system and what's the state, well, you know, what does the market believe the state of it's going to be in the future? It's a key crucial market. It's an absolutely huge marketplace, even though I would wager most people have probably never heard of it. It's maybe the second largest market in the world, certainly the largest uh, derivatives market in the world. So it's a big deal when something changes there. That's the key, right? It's a big deal because it's a huge market of sophisticated players, very deep. So we shouldn't take it lightly. We shouldn't ignore it. Okay, we've got a chart up in front of us now, Jeff, that shows the activity of the Eurodollar futures curve on certain dates in December. And the first date here is December 3rd, because if I remember correctly, it was on the 1st that we saw our very first half or full basis point inversion. And then basically we're going to move through time and the yield curve is going to rise, but it's still going to be malformed, right? So where were we on December 3rd, December 31st? Yeah, the euro dollar futures curve, like all money or yield curve, should be upward sloping. Because upward sloping, as we say, is beautiful. Upward sloping is optimistic. Contrary to what you're taught, higher interest rates into the future, that's a very good thing. That's that's the market saying we expect nothing but good things ahead. Therefore, a slight a bias towards slightly higher interest rates, including three-month LIBOR rates rising into the future. That's not a bad thing at all. That's a great thing. That's what we want to see. So what happened in December 1st was before then, since late October, the euro dollar curve and the sort of the second half, we'll get into the color dynamics in a minute, but the, the back half of it had started to flatten out, which meant that there wasn't so much distance calendar spreads between contracts the further out in time you go. The distance between contract versus time started to shrink so that the curve, rather than being an upward sloping curve, around the middle of it started to flatten out dramatically. And then on December 1st, we got to one particular spot on the curve where it actually turned upside down. Ever so gently, I mean, just the smallest, tiny little bit, uh, tiniest little bit, but it had inverted in this one spot on the curve, which by itself, as we said at the time, was a big deal because curves are not supposed to be flat and they sure as hell aren't supposed to be inverted. So this was a warning sign that something was going on in the euro dollar futures market, at least something not very good, something very ugly. The audience may be thinking, 
big deal, half a basis point, one basis point. But as you explain in this article, by the way, if the audience wants to read the article, they can go to the Alhambra Investments website. Jeff, did I introduce you as the global head of research for Alhambra Investments? I don't think I did. Well, they can go to the Alhambra Investments website, go to the February 14th, 2022 post, look for the title, Major Eurodollar Curve Developments, also not clickbait. And as you explain in your article, so many traders are willing to hedge against something bad or hedge that there's going to be a change in what the monetary authority is telling us. And they're betting on a wholesale change in the trajectory of these rate increases that we're told about the reflation, the recovery. And to get the curve to warp and disfigure even a few basis points, you write, is an enormous undertaking. There must be an absence of other people willing to take the side of the trade where we're betting on recovery and reflation. It can only be a growing consensus of negativity. But that was in December. In January, for the first half of January, we saw the curve shift upward. That seems like good news, right? Economic expectations were improving. Jeff, is that what we saw? I don't know if it was so much economic expectations improving as it was the fact that the market started to price more, potentially more rate hikes from the Fed. Remember, three-month LIBOR is an alternative money rate for what the Federal Reserve offers and IOER and RRP and federal funds rate, which is tied to repo rates and all these money alternatives. So three-month LIBOR is going to trade in some respect to similar in similar fashion to what we would expect from short-term money rates, including the Federal Reserve policy rate. So if the market thinks the Fed is going to start hiking its own rates, the reverse repo rate, IOER, the federal funds range, that's going to spill over into other money markets, which is going to affect three-month LIBOR. Because you, if you can lend a certain rate you know, at a higher rate into repo, for example, you're not going to lend at a lower rate into three-month LIBOR. So three-month LIBOR is going to respond to all of these other alternative money rates and the factors that go into them, including monetary policy from the Federal Reserve. So what happened in January was the euro dollar futures curve at its front end in the whites and the reds steepened out dramatically. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Omicron scare had essentially evaporated. People realized it wasn't going to be nearly as big a deal as it has the Delta wave had been. Governments were not going to overreact in the same way they had previously. And so the Omicron thing was kind of overdone. And if you remember, back in December, Jay Powell had said and other FOMC officials had said, the only thing that's going to stop our rate hikes is if the pandemic reignites and we get another real big, big scare there. So as the Omicron fears faded, the market realized there would be probably nothing to stop the FOMC to not only begin its rate hikes, but because of the high rates of CPIs that haven't decelerated yet, the political pressure, the, the economic theory pressure that the FOMC puts on themselves to hike rates to, to appear to be doing something about inflation, you put those things together and it was the curve steepened nominally at the front end because it was reflecting the market saying, yes, the Fed's going to start hiking rates and then probably they're going to hike rates more aggressively than we had thought previously. That's one part of it. The other part of it, the more interesting part of it is as the nominal curve rose and steepened at the front end, the shape of the curve in the back, which was flat to even inverted all throughout December and January, did not change even as the curve shifted higher. So that's really where we're focusing on. Not so much that the market thinks things got better, but the market adjusted, okay, the Fed's going to hike rates, they're going to do more rates, but that's not going to change the ultimate implications of it. You mentioned a couple of items in there. 
you mentioned something called the whites and the reds and the audience i just want to let them know we're going to go over what these colors mean at towards the end of this episode as well as whether they should be renamed to something more memorable like ivory or maroon <laughs> but you also mentioned the federal reserve jeff and how they said the only thing that's going to stop us is if the bubonic tick you know mutates and they're zombies then we maybe won't raise rates but earlier how can that be reconciled jeff with what we were saying earlier that this is the deepest most sophisticated market out there futures market at least offshore money it's so important and this market is betting against a continued increase in short-term rates ergo reflation recovery in the economy why would the federal reserve ignore this because because you have a quote here from mr bill dudley from march 2007 that is emblematic of the interpretation or the the treatment this market gets jeff should i read this quote out to people yeah i think you should because you know and we go back to bill dudley all the time for this very reason is he is sort of representative of the orthodox mainstream central banker ideology that dominates monetary policy and why it's not really money policy versus what we're talking about in these curves and you know yield curve euro dollar futures we can get into swaps and other things that as we have over time and you can see why there's a difference why these things diverge all these times because the market does one thing based on a set of factors and the fed and economists and the media do another thing based on something entirely different and i think dudley's quote that you're about to read is a pretty good representation of this chasm between reality and mainstream economic theory. Because we cannot accept the message, a simple, straightforward message. You're right. This is a simple, straightforward message from the market. But why can't we accept it? Because who that message is being said against, you know, what that message is contradicting, who it's contradicting. Okay, this is March 2007, Mr. Dudley. Quote, well, another explanation is that the economists who make the dealer forecasts are not the traders who execute the euro dollar futures positions. So that's a possible alternative explanation. Generally, there's a disequilibrium. A number of people that I've talked to in the markets have said that this is why they thought what was going on. And they advised me not to take what was going on in the euro dollar futures market literally because they felt that some of them were putting on these positions in case of a bad scenario that led to a significant reduction in short-term interest rates. And I wrote, previous paradigm, cognitive dissonance, ideological fetters, delusion. Yeah, read that last sentence again, Emil, because that's, I mean, when you hear it, it's just, it boggles your mind that somebody would say this out loud. They advised me not to take what was going on in the Eurodollar futures market literally because they felt that some of them were putting on these positions in case of a bad scenario that led to Bingo. a significant exactly. reduction. <laughs> that's yes, that's exactly it. And as you said, this is the deepest, most, one of the deepest, most sophisticated mark. This is the monetary system trading euro dollar futures. It's not you and me or, you know, the, the lay person on the street that's doing this is the monetary system. So if they're betting euro dollar futures in a way that signals Hey, we're worried about something ahead, something so bad it's going to lead to lower interest rates rather than higher interest rates. We should pay attention because what that means is in this huge marketplace, if this huge marketplace starts to think this is all nonsense, we agree with Bill Dudley, 
the curve will never invert because it can't. If everybody's thinking the way Bill Dudley's thinking, the curve, there's just too much volume, there's too much trading, there's too much size there that won't allow it to invert. So the fact that the curve starts to distort and invert means more and more and more and more of this huge market is at least not willing to bet against the idea that there's something wrong. And so that's how you interpret this. It's that this huge market isn't arbitraging away what should be free money if the Fed is right. If the Fed is right, the curve should be upward sloping all the way into the future. And so that should be easy money to make. These idiots who are betting on some bad scenario in the future, let's just arb them, arb them away. The fact that it doesn't happen and that inversion, that thorn in the side sticks around for a long time, is the market saying, gee, maybe there is something to worry about here. So these worry warts that are hedging against this bad future scenario, maybe they're really not worry warts. Maybe they have actually some kind of legitimate grief about what could potentially happen in the future. So for Mr. Dudley to say that in 2007, March. by the way, the euro dollar futures curve had already inverted. So for him to say, let's not take it literally because it, it signals something bad about the future. I mean, it's just so absurd and ridiculous. But yet this is representative of how the Federal Reserve actually works. They don't take in market signals. And if they're market signals that are inconvenient to their narrative or their view, they just say, well, how can we just dismiss it? How can we just ignore this? Rather than thinking, this is a big marketplace. This is a big marketplace focused on very important things. And it is telling us something that just should be very troubling. And of course, as we know, March 2007 didn't lead to happy endings. It actually led to those very bad scenarios Bill Dudley was laughing and trying to dismiss. Let's move forward to present day. Let's talk about this month, February. We have, we've been talking about the Eurodollar futures curve as this maybe monolithic hole, but you want to draw our attention to two variables, right? Depth and breadth of this inversion. So in early February, what did we witness? Yeah, before then, going back to December, what I said was, look, the curve has inverted. It's just a little tiny blip, but the fact that it had inverted at all, that was the important thing because it really shouldn't be inverted. And so the next little while, we don't really need to watch it like a hawk. We don't need to check your dollar futures prices every minute because what usually happens is it inverts a little bit and then it just kind of does nothing for a while. And so the important point in that first stage was that it was inverted at any point along the curve and whether or not that little tiny inversion stuck around. So that's when we got, you know, our update in January was, yes, it's been a month and a half. It's been six weeks or whatever. And guess what? That little inversion was still there, but it hadn't really progressed anything more than that. Fast forward to last week, all of a sudden now we see inversion getting serious. So the first two months, first two months and a half, two and a half months, the curve was flat to and slightly inverted. And now maybe we're moving into a more serious stage where the inversion is expanding along, as you just said, Emil, two dimensions. One's depth and the other is breadth. Here, let me read a quote here. The euro dollar curve steepened further to the front, rose in nominal terms all across and most important of all, maintain that same shape where its malformation began at the December 23rd juncture. It kept both the expanded breadth to go along with the tiniest depth. And this was after the blowout payrolls report, right? That's what was astounding. Yeah. And the payrolls report, which wasn't all that great, but everybody, I think, realizes the Fed is going to use it as justification, further justification for a more aggressive rate hike regime which was reflected in the euro dollar futures curve, which steepened. 
But the inversion didn't change in terms of depth. It didn't get any more than a few half a basis point or a basis point, but it expanded in breadth, which meant there were more contracts along the curve that had flattened out and more that were sort of threatening to inversion. So it wasn't just a tiny little spot along the curve. It now was a much wider area of curve, which is had been drawn into this distortion. That's what's remarkable. Remarkable. After such a headline good report. And then, that was early February, by the way. Now we're talking about the middle of February, just this week, just last week. Jeff, we've got this graph. We're showing the, the 10th and the 14th Valentine's Day. And it is taking on a grotesque distortion now. It's grotesque. What's happening in this graph? That's the other dimension. So we had the expansion, the inversion expanded in terms of breadth. And then coincident with last week's blowout huge CPI report, which, of course, more pressure on the Fed to do a more aggressive rate hikes. You had nominal steepening in the front end of the yield curve or the year dollar futures curve. And then this blowout in breadth in the depth of inversion in the back half of the year dollar futures curve to, I believe it was 21 basis points on the on Valentine's Day earlier this week, which is an enormous distortion. So we started out back in December, little tiny warning, little tiny, little tiny thing, set that aside for a couple months. And here we are in February with a clear a sign of escalation in something. And I think this is where, this is why I wanted you to repeat Bill Dudley's words, because even though he was using them ironically, he was actually, the words he was saying if you took them at face value, that's exactly what happened in March 2007, and it is exactly what we're seeing develop in this market today. The market is hedging against something in the future that would cause interest rates to be lower than they would otherwise have been. And so you have to start thinking about what is it that would happen that would do such a thing, and this expansion in the inversion in terms of breadth as well as depth means that there are fewer market participants willing to take the other side of this worrywart trade. There are less parts of the market that are saying, I agree with the Fed, everything's inflation, everything's good, everything's recovery. I'm really starting to wonder if this, that whatever's depressing the curve at the back end, there really does seem to be something to it because fewer and fewer and fewer parts of the market are willing to bet against it to the point now where the balance is tipped. They're actually betting with the worrywart side. In our next article, which is called Eurodollar Curve Chromodynamics, posted on the 15th of February, 2022 at Alhambra Investments. You tell us what the colors are and how surprised and remarkable it is that we're moving into the reds so early in the quote unquote cycle. And Jeff, tell us just very quickly, what are these colors? Are they, of course, maroon, tan, turmeric, clover, cobalt, and mauve, or some other kind of color combination, and what do they mean? Well, they're groups of four calendar Eurodollar futures contracts. So you've got the calendar contracts, which are the March, June, September, December. And so the, the groups of four are moving forward. What are the next group of four in, in time? And so that first group of four currently would be the March, June, September, and December of 2022s. And that constitutes the whites. Those are the, the nearest. And terms. that is heavily, heavily influenced by the Fed. It's almost all Fed. Because it's used as a hedging tool and fixed income, mortgages, mortgage-backed security, all these things, the primary risk in the short run is always going to be Jay Powell, the Fed, doing something that the, you know, the market doesn't want or doesn't expect. So the whites are going to be influenced by what the Fed says it's going to be doing over the next year. And since it takes the Fed a very long time to realize its mistakes, 
a year is a pretty much long time. The Fed can just go for a year, and even if it's a mistake. So the whites, very much influenced by monetary policy. The next group of four going forward in time, so the contracts number five, six, seven, and eight down the curve, that's going to be the reds. And the reds are also fed because by and large, history shows the Fed can make can hold to its errors for a very long time. And so the whites and the reds, the first eight contracts, are very heavily, heavily influenced by expectations for short-term rates set by the Federal Reserve and monetary policy. And then come the greens and the blues and the turmeric. Golds. <laughs> yeah, there's gold. And then there's purple. If you really want to get into the far, far contracts where there's less liquidity, there's other colors down the curve. But really, it's, you know, the whites and the reds, that's fed. And then you get into the greens and the blues and a little bit of the gold. That's usually where you get this curve break. So you've got the nominal steeping in the whites and the reds. And then you've got this flattening and then inversion. That happened in actually the blues. Then the breadth expansion that we just talked about was into the greens. And then lately last week, breadth expansion actually moved up into the reds itself, which I believe is another significant development in terms of breadth. So you have the depth in the greens and blues, which are pretty solidly inverted, but you also have breadth inversion, which is now not just the blues and the greens, but also a little bit into the reds where it's not inverted, but it's really flattened out in some parts. Jeff, is there anything that we didn't cover in this Eurodollar review that you wanted to bring up before we end this episode? I think we just we'll summarize what the market must be thinking here. I mean, you pointed this out in recent past episodes where it's not a policy error mm. in the uh, mainstream sense of the term. The market isn't saying the Fed's going to hike rates and those, those rate hikes are going to cause economic and financial problems. What the market is saying is the reds and the whites are obeying the, the Fed because that's what they have to do. And then this hedging into the greens and the blues is saying the market doesn't agree with why the Fed is hiking rates in the first place. The Fed thinks it needs to get control of inflation, where the back half, the greens and the blues are saying, we don't think there is inflation. We don't think the economy is all that great to begin with. And so that's where this inversion and distortion comes We're from. We're going to talk exactly about that. Why is the Fed hiking rates despite the euro dollar futures curve and the U.S. Treasury curve and the U.S. dollar warning against it? We're going to talk about that in the next episode, consumer inflation expectations and the employment rate. All right, Jeff, that's it for us. True? Yes. Perfect. Perfect.